0: to uh, wrap up our time in psalms this morning and wanted to start out just by stopping i think is uh, how we wanted to begin this morning so we're going to talk about selah and some of you have seen the word seen it in scripture seen it in the psalms and we're going to look at a particular psalm this morning but we're going to spend a little bit of time around this idea um, of selah so that that word Means to pause, to evaluate. It also means have the idea of to lift up, um, to connect two truths to each other. So maybe take the time to think about something and connect this truth to this truth, and we wouldn't normally put them together like that. So let me just start by asking you this morning how many of us have just paused? Recently, you just stopped. And we sat in the awkward silence of the moment. It's, an, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? We arrest our thoughts during that time. We intentionally think about God and His truth and His word. Connecting our feelings with God's truth. We want to evaluate our lives in light of God's truth. We want to take stock of what we value and of how we get to how we feel. You ever think about that? I feel this, and we get kind of dominated by that, but if we ever stopped and just thought, how did I get to how I feel? So we're going to just take stock of those things this morning and submit sometimes, usually, often those feelings to something or to someone that is greater than our feelings. So you're being invited this morning to just pause and to measure your life, to, eva- to truly, truly evaluate What goes on inside your head, what goes on inside your heart, the choices that you make on a regular basis? How are you measuring your life? The Psalms over this summer and hopefully beyond have offered us a unique opportunity to just stop and to pause and to ask some really hard questions. And to evaluate the value of a man or a woman or a minute or a year. Psalms gives us the opportunity to evaluate our pain and our losses and our victories and our responses to those things. Psalms gives us the rare chance to not only look back and to evaluate where we've been and how we got to where we are now, but to also look ahead and to think about the next pain and the next loss and the next victory, the next unknown thing that is coming our way, and to evaluate how we will respond. So, part of the evaluation process isn't just looking backwards, it's looking ahead and saying, when this comes my way again, how will I respond? How will this affect me? So, say, La, pause evaluate lift up your thoughts redirect where you're headed from this morning you came in this morning headed one place one direction and I think this morning may give you a chance to just stop and evaluate and just even if it's one degree alter the course stop measure evaluate your life Selah. 5,600 525, minutes, 525,000 moments so dear. 525,600 minutes. How do you measure measure a year in daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches? In miles, in laughter, and strife, in 525,600 minutes, how do you measure a year in the life of love? No man. in truths that she learned, or in times that he cried, in bridges he burned, or the way that she died, it's time now to, to sing of, but the story and never, never ends, ends. Let's celebrate, remember, remember a year in the, the life, life of a friend, remember the love. This morning, both in our celebration time and in getting us into this time. And I hope that helps you get in the mood for what we're going to discuss this morning, right? Um, so, that whole idea of Selah, and in particular, you've probably run across it in the Psalms because in all of Scripture, Selah appears 73, 74 times, 71 of which are in the Psalms. Um, so, primarily, that's a phrase, that's a word that you're going to see. Uh, in the Psalms, and it, there's really no complete consensus or understanding, uh, total understanding, I guess, of what that word uh, means. Um, so it remains untranslated. So when we, you see that word in the little margin of your Bible or right after some verses, um, it's a, a Hebrew word. They don't know what to do with it, so they just stick it in there, untranslated. Um, so it's just Selah. There's one guy who said, you remember our, our Psalms were hymns to be sung, and one author said that um, that's the word David said when a string broke on his harp. <laughs> it was, Selah, oh, you know? <laughs> um, uh, the Amplified Version, you have different versions, English translations, whatnot, of the Bible. And uh, the Amplified Version translates Selah, and it says, pause and calmly think about that. So 71 times in the Psalms, if you were to take the idea of Selah as pause and just think about that. I think that's a great way to understand um, what we're going to be doing today and what that word Selah might mean for us as we go through it today. Um, there's probably, with the idea of say law some kind of musical direction, you know, because it was to be sung, and there's probably some idea that maybe even the instruments were to pause, like there was a break in the song, and everything was supposed to stop um, so that they could think about what they've just been singing, Um, But I personally think that it was direction to the singers To the congregation It wasn't so much about what instruments were being played or what the instruments were doing as it was uh, Instruction for the people who were singing the song uh, And what they were supposed to do uh, when they were singing. So it's probably something like, you know, pause stop lift up your hearts And kind of note the connection between previous truths. So again, if you're reading the Psalms, you've read some section uh, or some section of uh, a portion of one particular Psalm. And if you think of it like that, where it says, say, law, it's like, hey, stop. And think about the connection of those truths that you just read. They, They go together. They fit together. Um, there's a, another Hebrew Arabic word, salal. If it comes from salal, it means to lift up. Salah would mean to, to lift up. And again, it's not about volume or the instruments, it's our hearts, which are supposed to be lifted up to just sincerely think about, consider these multiple truths that have to be connected to each other. So sometimes I think we see that word salal in the text and we separate those sections away from each other and in 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 reality selah is like no think about what you just read and connect it to what you're going to read it's these truths that you're going to see in this in this text or in scripture and the author wants you to stop and to think about them and and kind of put them together okay so we're going to do that today we're going to look at psalm 89 and want to go there you can um, the other thing i would just say this will be the last week we kind of have them out in here but on the back table there's uh, some psalms books And if you want to continue just a devotional uh, reading through the Psalms, you can pick one of those up. If you have $10, drop it. If not, just take it. We want you to have it. Uh, But you can continue that even uh, beyond the summer by picking up one of those. So we're going to just take some time today. We're going to pause and we're going to consider and we're going to evaluate and just kind of enjoy some moments, I think, um, of stillness and silence and thinking and 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 evaluating and connecting things today so we're going to look at psalm 98 and as we go through the challenges and the opportunities of life here's what i want you to think about the psalmist is and one of the things i've loved about the psalms not just this summer but all the time is that the psalms are very raw they're very real um you have these authors who are just being very honest um about what's going on inside their hearts and throwing all that out there for us um to read and to see, again, just in a very unfiltered uh, kind of way. So as we go through this today, and as you look at the psalm, and as you look at Psalm 89, I want you to think about the author, David, or whoever it was that wrote the psalms. And basically, I think they're saying, listen, I get it, you're disturbed, uh, you're deeply troubled, your emotions are kind of out of control, even, and, and knocked out of whack, knocked off center. Don't allow your emotions to be pushed away. I think that's one of the cool things about the Psalms. The Psalms aren't about hiding our emotions. They're about letting them come out, right? Um, And being very honest with God, trusting the grace of God that I can come to Him in my brokenness, my anger, my sadness, my whatever it is, and bring it to Him and He doesn't push us away. So I think that's one of the great things about the Psalms. The author's not saying don't push your emotions away, but also don't jump into arguments and don't jump into conclusions Say Selah is basically the Holy Spirit saying to your soul shh hush my grandma used to say that to us when we got crazy in the car in the house when all the cousins were over hush <laughs> you know by your middle names She would all call our middle names not our first names just middle names and you knew you were in trouble hush stop It's so hard for us to do, isn't it? It's so awkward. It's so difficult for us to get into that point. In Scripture, the Psalms come along and say, in the middle of your craziness, in the middle of your brokenness, just say la for a minute. So that's what we're going to look at today. Look at Psalm 89. We're going to kind of jump around. The challenge today for me is to close the book of Psalms, in which there are over 150 Psalms, and we didn't even look at a third of them. And just conclude our time while we look at a particular psalm. So, we're going to jump around a little bit more than we normally would um, today as we go through the psalm. We kind of close up our time in the psalm. So, Psalm 89, uh, verse 49 says, Where are your former loving kindnesses, O Lord, which you swore to David in your faithfulness? Remember, O Lord, the reproach of your servants. How I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached, reproached the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. So we're going to get—I just stop, and there's this, this idea that I want you to entertain. We've tried to do this throughout our entire time together, is that you have, right now, playing in the background of your head a soundtrack. Okay, now we can talk about it in terms of music, which is what we've tried to do as we've walked through the Psalms, that there are songs that are playing in your head all the time, whether they're helping you evaluate emotions or express emotions, or they're sort of playing the theme song of your life, like walk-up music in baseball or softball, you know, kind of a thing, whether it's that kind of a deal, um, or if we want to talk about it in terms of an internal dialogue, we all have an internal dialogue going on in our heads all the time, a running commentary of our lives, right? I think I read recently that the number of words, and maybe this changes from guys to girls. I don't know, because there's sometimes I think guys are just blank. <laughs> there's nothing happening. Uh, but for the most part, I think on average we speak something like 2,000 words a minute in our heads to ourselves. And some of the guys are like, "I swear it's 5,000. It's 5,000. There's no way it's two, <laughs> right?" So there's this constant running dialogue that's going on in our head. And as we've looked at the psalms, we've like, how do we impact that dialogue? How do we change that inner song that's playing, right? Um, That gives us a touch point for our emotions or a filtering point for our emotions. How do we do that? So I bought my trusty friend. I'm going to grab this microphone over here somewhere, this one. And this was like one of the most awesome gifts Mindy ever got me was this little JBL speaker here. I've had this playing. I don't need it yet. I've I've had this playing since we walked in today. This is my playlist I, I don't know what's going to come up on here But these are songs that apparently I have liked On Spotify at some point or another And we're just going to run through a couple And see what sort of comes up So I'm, this is going to get weird Here we go Can you all hear that? Alright That's Say Hello by the Rhett Walker Band I think I've heard it twice I don't know, it just sounded good and I liked it Oh, does anybody like Johnny Lang? That's a good song. Uh, Johnny Lang, man. If you like jazz and cool music, guitar playing, that's fantastic. Philip Phillips. Everybody knows this, right? This is what's going on in my head. These songs are constantly... If you come... (laughs) Yes! I like this on the radio. This is a little embarrassing. Any grease fans? You guys are looking at me like you're sacrosanct. Yeah, you guys got all holy all of a sudden. I'm like, no, come on, man. You guys know this. I don't even know what that is. We're gonna skip that. Oh, Shane and Shane, Chain Do you guys have these songs playing in your head, man? Like, really, di- chain smokers? Something just like this. This is a great song. And Coldplay. Sorry. Give everybody credit. One more. What's next? Oh, this goes way back. Are there any old Christian music fans in here? Can anybody even recognize the voice? One of the most iconic voices in Christian music. Russ Taff. I drink his bathwater. The dude can sing, man. So these are, and I'm going to it's going to be playing the whole time underneath. I'm going to turn it down. But these are songs that if you come in my office, if you come into my office at home, if you come to my office here, music constantly playing. When I'm not in here, music is constantly playing in my head. And again, we all have something like this in here, right? That's playing these songs that has some kind of I don't know, underlying framework and structure that we build our emotional lives on, right? And our thought lives on. And I think part of my fascinating question as a Christian, as a person who has about that much experience in Christian counseling, my big question is, can we change and influence that? Can I consciously in here create a playlist that helps define and process my life? The way that I can on my phone. And I'm very curious about that, about some of the neuroscience even behind that. And then I think even greater, the spiritual understanding and truths behind that. Can I spiritually speak into what's happening in the quiet places, which aren't very many in my heart and my soul? that fill up those empty things in me that help me to think through life and to get through life and to process life. We all have that kind of going on in us. So there's this running soundtrack in our heads and it's kind of like Muzak. Do you even recognize Muzak anymore? You know what Muzak is? It's an actual word. It was copyrighted in 1953 and it's that stuff they play in the um, elevator. In Britain, they call it lift music because they play it primarily in the the elevator. But it's in the grocery store, right? You hear that music you're playing all the time? It's called Muzak. And you hear it so much you don't even know that you hear it anymore. You know in restaurants at peak times, they play music on, par- on purpose that's faster in tempo so you'll eat quicker and get out faster. And they can process, pe- it's subconscious. And that music is playing kind of constantly all the time, kind of in the background. So that's kind of what's happening in your head. We want to pause and think and evaluate. And maybe this helps some of you connect with today. Like what is my inner song? What's that inner song that I'm singing to myself? because it is influencing my actions. And I want you to understand that. Some of your parents are like, that's why I tell Johnny not to listen to Iron Maiden because it influences thinking. (laughs) So I'm not talking primarily about the music you listen to. I'm talking about what's going on in your head. I think that input does influence those things. But I also believe in some ways they're secondary to the truths that you're choosing to believe inside and that you're repeating to yourself over and over and over again. So of course the sources matter. But ultimately i'm not talking about that You're gonna have to make some choices about the sources of truth you put into your head to your mind and to your heart I'm asking you the question. What's what is that happening? And you need to understand that it's influencing how you see life It's influencing how you process difficulties and victories and joys and challenges all throughout life So so first of all, I want you to understand your inner song influences your actions and secondly How can I influence my inner song? How can I speak into that self-talk that's going on to me? Man, I want to change. And some of us have been here before. I really would like to change that song that's going on inside of my head and my heart. But why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard, right? Why is it, this may be the hardest thing that we do in our lives. Not changing behavior, but changing the stuff that we say to ourselves. Changing the inner voice. Changing the songs that we play in our playlists inside of our heads. Why is that so amazingly difficult? Somebody in the congregation sent me an amazing article that I've tried to strip down, and I want to talk to you about this. There's, a, there's a, two reasons why, I think. There's a spiritual component to the difficulty and a physical component to the difficulty. You ready? When you are confronted with any kind of change, you're going to change cereals. You're going to change what you wear. Like, some of us have the same. We have 30, 40 shirts in our closet. We're wearing 10 of them right? And then you're challenged with change. Oh my goodness, that's dirty and I have to change something else, right? It's just the simplest things. It doesn't matter. Anytime we're confronted with change, it sends an error message to our brain. Something tells our brain, this is broken. This is not right. So it sends this error message to our brain, and they're generated by this plate right behind our eyes, this place called the frontal cortex. It's right behind our eyes, And it's closely related to It sends signals after that thing gets activated in your head It sends signals to your fear Regions in your brain where you're afraid Why is change hard? Because you're afraid of it Why are you afraid of change? Because your brain tells you danger This is different This is not what we know This is something unknown This is a scary thing And so fear begins to kind of kick in And these error signals that we have in our heads, they either push us to be really emotional and to act impulsively, and animal instincts come over. So at some point or another, when I'm confronted with change, I am no longer thinking rationally. I'm thinking from an instinctual place that's like self-protection. This is unknown. This may harm me at the very least, I don't know what's going to happen over there, so I don't think rightly anymore about that. Now I'm thinking, stay away. This is a fearful, frightening thing. Now here's what this does to us, and this is, this tells us how broken we are psychologically, like the sinfulness of mankind, not just screws us up uh, emotionally and spiritually, but it damages us physically. And so, here, let me just throw this out at you. So, here's what happens we're afraid, change is coming, we get afraid, we act impulsively, instinctually, we don't change. That pushes us to remaining the same. Stagnancy. Scientifically, they call it homeostasis, the state of remaining the same. We think, we assume at some instinctual level that if I never change, that's better. If I never make any changes in my life, that's the best thing. That's the good thing that I can do. And so it pushes us to try to remain the same. It's the natural movement of any organism to remain the same and away from change, to recoil from change. Now here's what else we find out about the brain. This is all actually pretty new, so we've we've known that actually for a while. Here's what we've just figured out recently. And I think this begins to speak into the spiritual aspect of things. Now we know that the brain can change. We've assumed for maybe hundreds of years that once you reach a particular place in your life, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, that the brain is stuck in what it is and it will never be changed. What we can now prove scientifically is that that's not true. We can prove scientifically, and I want you to listen to this and put your spiritual thinking caps on, your, your Psalms thinking caps. We've now understand that you can reshape the pattern and the thinking that your brain does. The pattern and thinking of your brain. Here's what that means. That means who you when you put a when you have a special practice every day of literally thinking differently, of approaching a problem from a completely different point of view, of seeing things from their shoes and not just your shoes. When you every day think. What is that? How would I do that differently? What does that person mean by? Do they really mean what I thought they meant by? You just take a moment to pause and say la and consider and intentionally change the way you think. Here's what we know about our brains our brains change. Brand new pathways are created in your brain that can supersede the fear part of your brain. So that part of you that's so scared of changing, that part of you that gets so worked up in anxiety, that's physical and chemical in nature, what we know is is that if you will just stop and pause and consider and intentionally think differently about your life, the challenge, the person, whatever it is, your brain rewires and thinks differently and can allow you to overcome the fear that you're feeling. Now listen there is a psychological, a physiological aspect to that, but we've been talking about that from scripture for like 7,000 years. Do you understand that? This is nothing new for the Christian. This is nothing new for the person of faith. This isn't anything about positive thinking. This is about you believe a truth that's a lie. God has a truth that's true. Intentionally think on that and act in faith. Is that not the same thing? And now we have this physiological component that comes behind you and says, hey, look, look what happens when, that, when you do that. There's a spiritual aspect of this and there's a physical aspect of this, right? And it speaks into changing how we go through life and we can rewire our brains when we think differently about these things. It's fascinating to me. But you have to have a daily discipline, of intentionally thinking differently about life now i would say in the psalms that's called meditation that the whole point of meditation is for you to take the truths of god and to think intentionally about them and to let them soak down to the cracks and the crevices of your heart and your soul until they become your truth and a new pathway gets wired in your brain and you act differently even though you're afraid that's called faith Do you guys get that? Isn't it amazing how God does that? How God doesn't just speak and work in our hearts and in the spiritual part of our lives, but also in our physical portion so that we can walk faithfully with Him. Amen? When we do what He's told us to do, right? When when we, we take advantage of these things that He's put in front of us, and then, guys, on top of that, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, and He's changing you on top of that. So your fears, and I don't want to be weird and queer about this, but listen, your fears and the things that keep you from walking into change have zero power over you. None. Zero. Because the Holy Spirit of God is working in you to change you and you can meditate on the truths of God and change the way you think, which changes the way you act. Doesn't mean it's easy, it just means it's possible. And I think for someone in this room, that's what you needed to hear today. Not that it's, because I think if I got up here and told you it was easy, you would know I'm lying. So I don't want to do that. But if I come up here and I tell you, hey, change is actually possible. Walking through fear is possible. Some of you are like, praise Jesus that it's possible. Amen? That there is hope for us that is beyond how I feel at the moment about any particular challenge or obstacle that might come into my life. So it's called, I'm going to say, just refer to that as mindful change. We want to have mindful change in our lives. Intentional, focused attention on the change and the desired outcome. I have to have an intentional, focused change of thoughts about kind of who I am and where I want to go and who I want to be and the desired outcome there. It's supernatural because it's something that goes against what probably is brain chemistry and our inherent Learned behavior which is to remain the same. So I think this is a supernatural thing The holy spirit of god has to come in you and give you the desire to even want to go down this path So many of us when you think about it when I when I mention change to you You automatically start to get puckered up, you know If you start thinking about changing your diet or changing your viewing habits or your listening habits or What you do with your free time or how you're thinking when nobody's around and nobody can hear your internal playlist. That's a terrifying thing for most of us. It seems to have so much power over us. It's a supernatural thing. So here's what that means. And you're like, well, give me some more, Pastor Joe. Prove this to me. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, God will keep in perfect peace the person whose mind is stayed on him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Whatever is lovely, pure, beautiful, think on these things. The next verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, says, And the peace of God will guard your mind. Not your heart, not your feelings, not your emotions. The peace of God will guard your mind as you think on, intentionally think about, change your neural pathways, right? To think about the things, the truths of God. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed in what? Your mind. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world anymore. There's so much, again, great theology and psychology in that verse. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So much is in Scripture about these things, about our mind. So again, today, just say la. Pause. I want to ask you a question. I want you to just say la about it with me. What opportunity or challenge or fear are you facing in life and I think I want you if you have something to write with write it down get your phone click it into your phone what is right in front of you and you're like that's big that's my giant that's the thing I don't want to change that's maybe an opportunity but it may be the most devastating thing I do in my life we reach those forks in our in the road don't we when we walk through life it's it's the same event the same event may be the greatest thing I've ever done and it may be like the worst thing I've ever done What is that for you? What are those things a fear, an opportunity, a challenge? And you're going to start praying prayers like this. God, direct me away from staying the same. What a great prayer. God, move me away from just staying the same. Move me away from staying the same or the desire. Here's something you could pray to God. God, take away the desire that's in my heart to stay the same. Take away the fear that I have of changing. Something like that. So, God, begin to direct me away from staying the same. Direct me to focusing on you. Direct my thoughts toward you. This is, now you're jumping in here. You're meditating. You're pulling out the psalms. You're spending time in the word, the truths of God, the beautiful promises of God. You're singing the psalms to your heart on a regular basis. And then God, give me the deep heart change that you have in store for me as I act in faith. These are great prayers, man. Direct me away from staying the same, Direct my thoughts toward you, toward being changed and stayed on you, and then move me toward being changed in the deepest parts of my heart. I'm going to act in faith. I'm counting on you to change me as I go down these paths. Here's what I want to tell you some of you are so afraid of failure in your Christian walk, you don't try anything. You got saved when you were 12, you got saved when you were 26, you got saved when you were 30. And you're basically the same person you were You're just a little bit better now You don't smoke as much, you don't drink as much You don't curse as much That's kind of the the measuring stick for your Christian walk And here's what I want to tell you Listen, this is for everybody in the room I think it's better to make halting Failing, flopping steps toward God and faith Than to do nothing at all And and you're like, well that's really harsh, Pastor Joe Jesus was harsher Told the parable of the talents, didn't he? He said, I'm going to give you guys two pennies and you guys two pennies and you four pennies and you eight pennies and you 26 pennies. And everybody comes back except the guy that got two pennies and they're like, I doubled it, I doubled it, I invested it, I used it, da-da-da. This guy comes back and says, hey, I knew you were a cruel and harsh taskmaster, so I took your two pennies and I buried him in the ground. Jesus looks at all of them and goes, hey, great reward, guys, except you. Throw him into the outer prison and beat him because he has been wicked and lazy so however harsh you thought i was don't read matthew or luke because you're gonna run across that story all right and jesus is gonna jump on us in this regard god is so much more happy i don't know another word happy pleased with us in our failing attempts to get up and to walk with him than he is if i do nothing stagnancy in our christian life homeostasis in our christian life is i think unacceptable to god in a lot of ways Think you see that in parables Jesus told and all throughout the New Testament, anecdotally in the Old Testament. It's all over the place. So just be challenged with that as we continue to go through in your selah moments. You gotta get up and you gotta walk with the Lord. Make these truths, God, my beliefs. Make them what I really believe, so that my actions change, my thinking changes, etc. So the Christian life, as we've all found out, as we have these soundtracks playing in our heads, we want to change the way we think. It is a complicated animal. There's nothing simple about following Jesus, man. There really isn't. I think you can boil it down to some simple sayings, maybe. But, man, the application of those things is really quite complicated. Because we live in a complicated world, you know? We live in a world that's uh, full of shades of colors, an entire palette uh, list of colors. When you go to the paint store, one of the worst days of your life, guys, is when your wife says, let's paint a room. And you have to go to the paint store... And look at that color chart thing That giant, I don't know, it's got Three or six hundred, a thousand I don't know, five million sheets Of colors of, I'm like, I just want red Can I, is there ever red? Yes, here's 25 of them No, 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 red, you know Life is like that Life is this complicated Nuanced walk with God That has very, very Little just clarity about it As it approaches you As it presents itself to you kind of has this complicated palette of things we've got to kind of walk through so i want you to think as you're changing your thinking and as you're say lying a little bit and you're changing the way you think about life i want you to think clearly um, with good application about truth also okay so look quickly in uh, verse 1 through 4 psalm 89 he says i will sing of the loving kindness of the lord forever to all generations i will make known your faithfulness with my mouth for I have said, loving kindness will be built up forever, in the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. I have made a covenant with my chosen, I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. Look in verse thirty. If his son forsakes my law, or if his sons forsake my law, do not walk in his judgments, if they violate my statutes, do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod, and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not break off my loving kindness from him. That's a big word in the text. You can maybe underline loving kindness. I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. My covenant I will not violate, nor will I utter the, or alter the utterance of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His descendants shall endure forever. And his throne is the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon and the witness in the sky is faithful. Selah. There's one of them here in our text. I think there's four of them in this text today. So I want you to think deeply about the Christian life. In those two text, part of the text that we read, David is celebrating the awesome faithfulness of God and celebrating him. And then God comes along and says, Listen, you're going to walk through times of life where you're going to be tempted to walk away from me. To disregard what I've told you to live faithlessly uh, with what I've commanded you and God's like even in that place I'm not going to be faithless to you even in the time when you walk away from me and you're not connecting my truth with how you feel you're not connecting what I've said with what you're going through in life you're not thinking deeply about Christianity and you're just wandering I will not be faithless to you I will be true to my covenant with you so we want to do that we want to be the person who thinks well about Christianity and the nuanced parts of living this Christian life and how to apply it best, you know, as we walk through this life. So we want to think well as we do this. I don't want you to unnecessarily complicate Christianity. Have you ever had those conversations with someone about Christianity and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. (laughs) You know, you have made this so hard, you made it so difficult, I can't relate to what you're saying. Have you ever had those conversations with someone? where we make it that complicated. So I don't want you to overcomplicate this whole deal. But man, if we, if we oversimplify Christianity, and I'll give you an example here in a second. I think we make following Jesus into something that we accomplish. And I think it's a terrible place to be in your walk with Jesus. Your Christianity is not something to accomplish. It's not a goal to be achieved. And when we oversimplify Christianity, it becomes that. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to oversimplify it because I think when we do, we're going to miss its greater power to, to work into the complicated issues of life, so I'll give you an easy one, okay? Change some of this, don't worry, don't worry about the situation. I think it'll help you. So you're at the gym, and you're working out, maybe you're there with coworkers. There's some people I know that go like at lunchtime, and they go with their coworkers to go work out or whatever, and one of them is talking about uh, their job, right? They feel like it's like break time, and we can all be honest with each other or whatever, and somebody just starts going off about their job, and you work in the same place with them, and maybe they're really ugly toward their boss. This, this happened to me the other day, none of, not Jimmy or anybody that works here, Wesley, but I was at the gym, and I heard this group of teachers, teachers, y'all started here, okay, if you're an administrator, know that they talk about you when you're not there, all right, (laughs) and so, I'm in this room, and, and these ladies are back here getting ready to do their workout with a trainer, and I just happened to stumble into this particular room, and they are going off about their jobs, and not nice language, and uh, talking about what they have to do this week, and the changes this year, and who wants this from them, and all that kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm just trying to stretch out a little bit, and they're going to town on this, um, and they're talking about coworkers, somebody at some meeting that day who was dumb or something, and they just went off on that person. So let's just say you're in that situation and they're your coworkers. So, what do you do? How, how are you responding to these people that you're working with, walking with 40 hours a week plus? What do, as a Christian, what do, what do I do? I think there's a couple of options there's silence, you just clam up. This isn't about me. I don't have to step into this, it's messy If I say something they're going to jump on me And you just be silent Second thing, you can correct them Now this rarely goes well (laughs) Right (laughs) You can Impose your Christian morals And values on them and correct their behavior Adult human beings In front of other adult human beings I don't recommend that one You can, I just don't recommend that one necessarily Here's a third thing That you can do it's a different pathway in your head. We're going to default normally to one of those two. 90% silence. 5% of us might say something. Here's another path. "La." God, give me a deep love for these people in my life. A deep, deep love for these people. Let me love them the way you love them. God, you hear their language. You know what they're saying. You know their hearts. Beyond that... You know where this is coming from. You love them. Let me love them. Let me love them like that. Give me a deep love for these people who are not like me. They're opposed to your beliefs. God, next step, say, La, Lord, how do I show them your love? What's the best way for me to show them how much you love them? How can I do that? Let me be salt and light. And God, give me an opportunity to talk to them about you. When, when God, can I talk to them about you and about what you've done in my life and my Christian perspective on the same challenges that they're facing, but from a Christian worldview? God, when can I do that? Give me an opportunity, Father, to do that. It's just a different way of thinking. It's not silence forever, but it might be silence for the moment until the right time comes, and then by faith you step into it not to correct, but to show them a different way that looks like God, and God in you, right? Selah. Think about it. Your walk with Christ, your Christian experience with Jesus, should not be reduced to do's and don'ts and judging other people on your shallow misunderstanding of Scripture. A walk with Jesus allows for failures and missteps and misunderstandings and misapplications as we're seeking to find the best way to meet people where they are every day with the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And too often we default to, I don't like the way you talk, you make me angry when you say that, it's very offensive, we get to the Christian offensive high horse pretty quickly, and we rarely move into, God, there's this person you died for. How can I love them well today? Amen? It's a different way of thinking. It's a different path. There has to be the meditation prior to that to go down God's way of thinking about this. So how do I apply this principle? I think that's a good way of say law every day of my life. So I think it's things like this. Are you angry? This is a man's Primary emotional word, guys. 80% of you, if I said you're angry right now, you go, Yes, I don't even know why I'm angry about something. I'm like, Yeah, I'm angry. (laughs) Even though there's like a thousand other emotional words for us to use, we're going to default to anger, right? Are you angry? Really, legitimately angry about something? Psalms tell us to say La. Stop and think. Are you sad? Guys won't admit it, but a lot of times our anger is really from sadness. Are you sad? Say la. Are you just done with somebody, maybe your spouse or your children? You're just done, and I mean it. Say la. Stop and think. Are you tired and angry? Say la. What does the word say about that? What would Jesus say to you? Not do, what would he say to you if you just stopped and asked him, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? What is Jesus whispering to me in those moments? Selah. Are you sensing the spirit? Even now, man, may there may be somebody in this room and you just stopped and you started thinking. And right now, you're feeling some weird nudge, some leading from the Holy Spirit to do something to text someone, to call somebody, to write someone. I don't know what it might be, but to change your thoughts and your actions even. I want you to stop and think, and then here's the next thing I want to challenge all of us with. I want you to stop and think, pray everything we've talked about. You've got meditation that's way behind this. You've already done all that. Stop, think, say law for a moment. And then, my gosh, when God says something, do it. Don't overthink the whisper in your head. Don't overthink when the Holy Spirit does say, Do, move, say, text, write, call, do it. Get up and do it. Again, he values faith and obedience, right, more than he values thousands of bulls sacrificed on the altar. This is the message of scripture. So as he speaks, as you stop, as you listen and say la, let him speak into you. So what does this really practically, specifically begin to look like? So guys, let me give you some help here. When your wife comes in and says, hey, do these jeans or this dress make me look big? Or fat, I want you to just say law, guys. (laughs) Say law for a second. Think about that. Be wise. Ladies, maybe it's for the guys again. The very start of the game. It's the beginning, it's kickoff. September 9th. Can you take out the trash? Can you feed the cat? I don't know what you do with cats. Do you even feed them? I don't know. (laughs) Can you feed the cat? Could you walk the dog? Can you move outside of the eyesight of the television? That's what we hear when you say that. Ladies, can you just say la for like 3 hours? <laughs> Have a say la 3 hour meditation with the Lord. Would either one of you say my mom is coming for the week? Say la. Take a breath. Are you feeling alone and powerless? Stop and think about that. Psalm 24:10. You're weak and you're powerless. Who is He? This King of glory. The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. And it says right after that: Selah. Nothing is too hard for your God. Nothing is too hard for your God. Can you just say it to your soul this morning? Sing that song to yourself. Let that become the playlist. Nothing is too hard for my God. Nothing is too hard for my God. Too hard for me, and I don't get it. But nothing is too hard for my God, who is this King of Glory, the Lord Almighty. He is the King of Glory. He is all powerful, and He is all wise. Are you feeling worried? Stop and think. Psalm thirty-two, seven: You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Let that become the playlist, the running dialogue. In your head, He will make His sweet peace and gentle comfort available to you when you need it the most. Troubles can't destroy me. My soul is secure with God for eternity because Jesus has delivered me from the consequences of my sin. Selah. Are you afraid? Stop and think about Psalm 46 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, just say la. Whatever tragedy I face, God will provide everything that I need. He is my refuge. He is my refuge. He's a personal retreat for me. He is closer to me than a whispered prayer he's not just ready to help he is eager to help and he's more than able to help amen are you feeling useless stop and think psalm 57 i cry out to god most high to god who fulfills his purpose in me i'm not useless god is fulfilling his purposes in me He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. Max Lucado said, God doesn't waste his time making useless things. I don't understand gnats and mosquitoes, but apparently they serve some purpose. Every one of us has a purpose. And as I cry out to him and I make myself available to him, he has promised to fulfill that purpose in me. He will also put passion and joy into my heart for his plan. There's another one, right? That's a great big prayer request. God, I feel useless. Sometimes God's like, "Um, I've already given you a purpose. And we look back, we, I don't like that purpose. And I think sometimes God's looking at you saying, listen, I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to speak purpose and joy into you for the things that I'm trying to accomplish through you and in you. Amen? Are you feeling anxious about the future? Say la. Stop and think about Psalm 119, 133. Direct my footsteps according to your word and let no sin rule over me. Are you feeling afraid that sin can overcome the love of God? Have you ever felt like I have sinned too big? God can't come on, get over this one you know that kind of thing Has that ever happen where your sin feels like it's going to overwhelm the love of god psalm 79 8 do not hold against us the sins of past generations may your mercy come quickly to meet us for we are in desperate need la gives me this opportunity to just recalibrate to truth my feelings don't have to win I've trained my brain, I've trained my spirit to walk down a path that says what you feel is what is. And that doesn't have to be that I walk into the future. I can just say law and retrain and recalibrate my thoughts intentionally on the Lord. And that will then change how I walk into the future. So the Psalms give us this opportunity. We're going to look at verse 38 psalms give us this opportunity for kind of a long pause there's 150 psalms so it's really a long selah in the middle of the bible this long pause that let me just reorient my heart and and redirect my heart toward god and jesus in particular look at verse uh, 38 but you have cast off and rejected you have been full of wrath against your anointed you have spurned the covenant of your servant you have profaned his crown in the dust you have broken down all his walls. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. All who pass along the way plunder him. He has become a reproach to his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You also turned back the edge of his sword and have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have shortened the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. Selah. Think about that. Listen, that is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. If you should read those verses and apply them to Christ, and here in the middle of this selah moment, in the middle of the Bible, the author is directing our attention to Jesus Christ. And he's pointing us to who he did and what he's done for us. And it's the person of Jesus in particular. In Psalm 68, he talks about your anointed, God's anointed several times. God's seed that's established forever. The firstborn, the highest king who is king forever. This is the person of Jesus seen in an Old Testament lens. So here's what I want to encourage you with as you go through and you rewire your brain and the way you think and the way you approach things in life as you say law. There is a personal God. God is eminently personal. Now here's why that's so important to us, okay? Okay. Some of you are like, duh. But here's why it's important, okay? God, it's important that God is, is personal because if, if God is just an idea or a spiritually unattainable version of reality somewhere, if he's just this concept or a religiously appeased being who's always distant from us, if that's my picture of God, if God's not personal and imminently personal, that if I don't understand that he crossed the universe... However, that works for God to come here and to tell me about himself and to die on a cross for me. If I don't understand that that's the God that we're dealing with and it's this impersonal God, there's never any real comfort. There's never any real salve for my soul. It has to be this personal God that I'm appealing to who is personally interested in me and will work in my heart specifically when I need him to. It is very important that we have a right understanding of who God is. Say law for just a moment right here. Verse 5 says, The heavens will praise your wonders, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord? A God greatly feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all those who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is like you? O mighty God, your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the swelling of the sea When its ra- waves rise You still them You yourself crushed Rahab Like one who was slain You scattered your, enemies, scattered your enemies With your mighty arm That's awesome And I'm glad that God is like that I really am Because I want to serve a personal God Who's completely, absolutely powerful also But it's so important that we understand That great God that I see in nature Is incapable of meeting me where I need If he's only the God of nature if he's only the God who can still the seas or cure a disease or do something that I wanted to do, he's still not eminently personal. And he can't meet me in the deepest parts of my soul. Tim Keller said this, a sunset, beautiful as it is, cannot replace a friendship or a marriage. Because as beautiful as it is, it is impersonal and we have a personal God. My soul longs for a relationship with the person of God not the works of God, not the beauty of God, not the power of God, God. And the Psalms tell us about this God. So say la for a moment. Let me ask you, do you know God? Not I see God in microbiology, not I see God in the neuroscience of our brain, not I see God in the beauty of the sunset or the crashing of the waves. Do you know God? Do you know him? You have to come to him through Jesus Christ. Here's what else is crazy. The Psalms are quoted 68 times in the New Testament. So what's the New Testament about? If you want to argue with the Old Testament, the whole New Testament is about Jesus. That's the key, okay? Take the test tomorrow, the quiz, the answer is Jesus, all right? The whole New Testament is about Christ. I think the whole Bible is, but specifically the New Testament. 68 times the authors who were talking about Jesus looked at the Psalms and said, hey, he's there, hey, he's there. Did you see him there? Did you see him there? Did you see him there? All throughout the Psalms, they're pointing back and going, Jesus is there, Jesus is there. The answer for all of us is to come to God through Jesus Christ. So just say la. Blessed be the Lord forever because he can be known and he wants to be known and he has made it possible for us to know him through Jesus Christ. Matthew 11:27, 27, Jesus says it specifically. You can know God because I'm here. Verse 38. We read that here a second ago. This prophecy of Jesus Christ. Here's the last thing I would say about Jesus here, man. I would just keep going. Jesus suffered like we see him suffering here in these verses. Here's the great message of Scripture, the Psalms, your Selah moment when life is crushing you and it's too much for you to bear. It pushes the air out of your lungs. We talked about that. Here's the great thing that we see in the Psalms about God and His redeeming us and His work in our lives. He has redeemed our suffering. He has redeemed your suffering. He's made sure that everything that you suffer in this life is for His saving purposes in you in this life and beyond for eternity. He's made sure. He's redeemed even your suffering. Again, Keller said this suffering's at the heart of the Christian story. Suffering is the result of all of our turn away from god and sin and therefore it was uh, It was the way through which christ or god himself and jesus christ came and rescued us for himself And now suffering is how or the the cross of christ is how we suffer That comprises one of the main ways we become great and christ-like holy and happy Suffering is a crucial way. We show the world the love and the glory of our savior jesus christ I don't like that but my gosh, if you read the New Testament, it's true. And if you read the entirety of Scripture, you're going to find that theme over and over again. It is in our suffering that we have massive opportunities to show the world the great glory and beauty of Christ and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as it detaches our heartstrings from this place, as painful as that is, we're able to point people to our home that lasts forever, more clearly, right, without all the trappings that keep us tied loving this place. So, selah. God is so good, and he's so powerful, and he's so merciful, that even your pain serves his good purposes for you. Verses one and two will be done. I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations, I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said, loving kindness will be built up forever in the heavens you will establish your faithfulness so you could that loving kindness word um, god's faithfulness you could kind of underline those or highlight them they pops up again throughout the text we'll see those words about god throughout verse uh, or chapter 89 go back to where we started this year starting today let's just say today's new year's you're gonna have five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred minutes to live I want you to take a few of those this year and just say La. How hard is that? I think it's exceptionally hard. Just say La. How are you measuring? How are you evaluating your life? What is making it worth? Like when you get up in the morning and you got to go to work and you got to punch that clock, you got to go do the same thing again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You have to take another kid to another practice of any kind ever, right? Your neighbor is a massive jerk and you just don't punch him today. You let someone in front of you after you've been sitting in traffic in Houston for an hour. You return too much change that the teenager gave you at Bucky's. You stay with and you work with your iron willed spouse. How are you evaluating your life? What is it that's causing you 525,600 minutes this year to do those things and not just explode? I think Rent, which is where that psalm came from, got close. Scripture hits the bullseye. Psalm nails it, and it's love. And I want to end with that. God's love, according to verses 1 and 2, is being built up forever. His long-standing, long-suffering, patient, good, all-encompassing, guiding, seeking love for you is being built up forever. Here's what I would say to you, and I think this is honest, and I think it's the Psalms, man. You can doubt the way God does what He does. You can doubt His plans. You can doubt His timing. But here's what I want to tell you. You can fall back on His love. You can always know that that safety net is there, Christian, those of you who have followed Christ, you can always be assured that His love is there to catch you. You can fall back on it. I don't know about all that other stuff, but I know God loves me. That's how you can answer today. That's how you can answer your challenge, your biggest obstacle that you're facing. You wrote them down earlier. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't see any way for that to work out, but I know God loves me. I will not doubt that God's love is being built up further. So I think the three loves that we can walk out of here as we evaluate our lives and where to go and how to rewire our heads and our hearts and meditate on the truth and connect things. First of all, love God. Do you love Him? I just find that fascinating. As I get a little older, I find it to be more fascinating that Jesus has this opportunity to explain the entirety of the Old Testament to people. And he says, Here you go, you ready? love God that is not sufficient I need a chart (laughs) and a daily to do list Lord (laughs) and he comes back and he says yeah I know you've been doing that for thousands of years love God summarizes the entirety of the Old Testament I would expect it like do the Ten Commandments just do one of them you know (laughs) but he said love God love God do you love God like do you love God really say la love others you can't love God without loving other people I love God but man I'm not going to church it's full of hypocrites yep (laughs) it is welcome to the family you can't love God and then not love other people. And I would say specifically, you can't love God and not love his people. You can't do it. They go hand in hand. Can't love me without loving her. She's part of me. Go hand in hand. Same thing is true with God's bride, the church. Say la. Are you loving other people? Say la daily. Measure everything by these loves. The love that God has for you, the love that you have for God, and loving other people. Live the next minute, not the one at the end of the year. Okay, I'm going to give you the end of the year. The last minute I've got, 525,599, you get that one. The next minute you've got, live it in those three loves. The love of God for you that's overwhelming. I mean, it's just amazing the love of God that you have for for God that you're working on, figuring out what that looks like, but deeply, deeply want it to be the motivating factor of your heart, and then how that love translates to other people. Measure your life by those three things, I think is what scripture would tell us as we say law and take a break. Would you guys bow your heads and pray? We're gonna take a moment to just take a break, then we'll walk out of here. Can you just say la for a second? That's so hard. No squirming around. No putting stuff together. I got to put my bag away because we got to get to Luby's first. All that. Just sit. Can you just sit? Sit. Say la. Maybe that's a breathing exercise. Breathe a little. Don't empty your mind. Now begin to think about the Lord. Not your problems. We're going to go to our problems in a second. Think about God. Jesus. Holy Spirit so hard God I have this obstacle this great pain in my life I have this great challenge fear I don't know how to overcome it I don't know how to get past this Would you rewire my brain and would you rewire my spirit to see this in a different way? To approach this from a completely supernatural point of view, something I would never think of on my own. God, I am thinking about you, thinking about your ways, thinking about my language, I'm thinking about my heart. These songs that play, this internal dialogue, change it all. Direct me toward your truth. You're my hiding place, Lord. You're my strength. You're my rescuer. You're my high tower. You're my savior. You're my friend. You've given your life for me. No one can have greater love for a friend than he lays down his life. You've done that. You're my friend. You're my Lord. You're my king. You're king of my frustrations, you're king of that crazy person I live with, you're king of those crazy children. you're king, you're the king. Rewire my brain, rewire my thoughts as I meditate on you. Say love. Some of you, the only thing you need to do right now, you've seen these young, beautiful young ladies follow the Lord in baptism, and you know what you need to do right now? Jesus save me. That's it. Save me. I am lost in my sin, and without you I have no hope. I'll be ruled by my fears forever without you. Save me. Forgive me. I I will follow you, whatever it means. I'm in. Save me. That's all you need to pray. Christians, say la. (laughs) Sounds like a sigh, doesn't it? Just say la. Pray this something, Christian. Pray something like, God, connect my feelings to your truth. Can you do that? Can you pray that? I don't want to be ruled by my feelings, my fear, my anxiety, whatever it is. I'm not going to lie to you, God. I'm going to tell you how I'm feeling, but I don't want to be ruled. Connect my feelings to your truth. God, do this in us as we just say la, la. And as we daily stop and we let your word seep down to the crevices of our soul. Selah. Help us to practice that. In your name we pray, amen. Guys, thank you.